Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Essen, Germany is Jan Sprofke. Jan is Chief Compliance Officer at Ericsson. And joining us from Houston, Texas is Sergio Leal, who up until recently was Head of Mergers and Acquisitions Compliance at the company. And today we're going to be talking about due diligence during a merger and acquisition. Jan, why don't we start with you? Um, doing adequate compliance due diligence during a merger acquisition is always a very stressful affair with all the time and other pressures that there are. How should compliance teams best focus their efforts to make sure they do the best they can in as expeditious a way possible? Yeah, thank you, Adam. So maybe let me begin with to emphasize the importance having such compliance expertise in-house, of course, sometimes externally, depending on the size of your company, and get this expertise involved end-to-end in the M&A transaction from target identification to closing of an acquisition. And from a compliance perspective, I think even more relevant and important is the post-merger integration when aligning of compliance management systems between the target and the buying company becomes key. And then, of course, achieving an equally important ethical culture in the target so usually as you know what drives you from a buyer side in acquisition due diligence phase is that you want to avoid buying liability and the unknown risk while in the post-merger integration phase you need to ensure that the acquired target meets the group standards and has a risk-based and effective compliance management system in place and of course an internal control system and as you have alluded that the M&A area can be a stress-filled affair due to the ad hoc, ad hoc nature of developments throughout the process and so on. And hence, it's, I think, very important that the compliance unit is fully embedded in the operational M&A dealings and best a dedicated compliance officer is a member of the internal M&A team or the governance council. So, and by saying that, I would like to hand over to my colleague, Sergio, you have introduced already because he has been critical at Ericsson to create an M&A compliance playbook, processes and procedures around that topic and leading our M&A compliance units in the last three or four years or so. So Sergio, probably what would you say, how should compliance teams best focus their efforts from your rich experience? Thanks, Jan, and thanks, Adam, for the opportunity. as you noted, Jan, I would start off by saying that you know you need to be part of the team. It's something that I think is very critical before any M&A activity even uh, gets off the ground. It's important to uh, meet up with these stakeholders already existing internally to align with already existing processes. You know, M&A is its own uh, entire adventure, and you want to be part of that process. Compliance is only one of various components that go into a successful M&A process, so that is, I think, key is to fully embed yourself. And if there's a leadership team, join that team, meet with all the actors that you're going to be servicing, et cetera. Uh, but when it comes to the actual substance of a transaction, uh, there, you know, you have to move very quickly in these M&A processes. Some of them uh, you know, can, can take place over a matter of weeks. You don't always have all the time or even all the information that you would hope to have uh, in a perfect world, of course. But there are three areas that I I would recommend people focus on, at least at the outset, and first is the ultimate beneficial ownership of the target company and the nature of the transaction itself. So, you know, are there government-controlled entities involved as owners? Are there any, you know, any sort of, uh, well, is the ownership transparent? Is it opaque? Do you know who the ultimate beneficiaries will be? 
Uh, is there a risk potential in the transaction of creating slush funds? Um, is there some sort of official act involved? I think that's really one of the areas that you need to hone in on. Of course, another area is the operations of the business, right? What kind of work do they do? Are they government contractors? Do they do work in high-risk markets? Um, you know, what sorts of, uh, you know, what, what is the origin story of the business itself? You know, is it relying on just a few significant contracts? Does it have a diversified portfolio of clients, et cetera? So you really want to understand the business itself, kind of uh, what, what sorts of ties may create risk for uh, the acquiring company. Uh, and then lastly, you really want to take a look at the company's already existing compliance program and system of internal controls. Because ultimately, when it comes down to the integration process, that'll be a large area of focus is uh, ensuring that the compliance program of the newly acquired entity uh, meet matches or at least catches up if it's not already at the same level of your compliance program. But if there are any significant gaps, oftentimes, especially for smaller entities, uh, they don't have a compliance program. They don't have fully dedicated compliance professionals. Their system of internal controls uh, may be... Uh, more of a skeletal framework may be lacking certain areas have gaps, etc. So you want to highlight and pinpoint those things in the pre-acquisition due diligence phase uh, to ensure for a successful integration after closing. So those are the three areas from a substance perspective that I would say uh, a compliance team should focus on from the outset. So obviously you want to focus your efforts and as you point out those are three key areas to be looking at as an organization and compliance team goes through examining those areas and others um, what are some of the red flags they should be on the lookout for sure so as i noted you know is there government ownership are there members is this um you know are you getting into a company with a company that has significant government contracts especially if that's tied to an organization that doesn't have a robust compliance program. Uh, you know, maybe they don't have a hotline number with regards to their compliance uh, controls and, and, and program itself. So uh, I would, you know, you want to be um, conscious of potential violations because you want to avoid the dreaded successor liability risk that comes with any acquisition. I know uh, Deputy Attorney General Monaco came out uh, in the fall of last year, I think around October, with this new safe harbor. Uh, kind of safe harbor program that when acquiring companies, you have six months essentially after the date of closing uh, to declare any issues uh, to the DOJ uh, that would then lead to a uh, presumed declination uh, from prosecution. So, um, you know, if there's government ownership, there's any sort of government involvement, that's a huge red flag. If they don't have a compliance program, if they don't have a hotline, that's a red flag. If they have a very large uh, entertainment, gifts, and hospitality uh, spend uh, history. Uh, that's an area that you need to really hone in on as well. Uh, looking into their third parties, of course, uh, how they manage that risk. If it's not being managed well, if they have no controls whatsoever, that's an area to be concerned about. So um, those are just some areas off the top of my head that I know uh, I like to focus in on. And if those are present, are significant red flags that we have to account for, especially when we go towards integration. They're not deal breakers. Uh, but they, you know, are areas that you have to look more closely into for sure. There's definitely a lot there to take a look at. Now, you mentioned before uh, looking at the compliance program. When there is a compliance program in place, how much time should you spend with the other company's compliance team to assess the risks and how well they're being managed? Sure. So, um, 
oftentimes, especially when it comes to uh, the acquisitions that uh, we targeted, they tend to be smaller companies. They tend to have um, maybe no compliance program. They, they sometimes don't even have a general counsel. But of course, if they do have someone um, that has you know drafted some sort of policies or maybe they had a code of conduct, typically that would be on the legal side, the general counsel. Um, if it is a larger publicly traded company, um, you, yes, of course, speak to their compliance team uh, to the extent that you have access to them uh, to understand how they manage uh, their compliance risk. Um, but typically, you know, the companies you acquire are not publicly traded. Uh, they're smaller entities. Uh, you hope they have an anti-corruption, anti-bribery policy. You hope they have a code of conduct. Um, but yes, I have in the past, Adam, uh, had experience reaching out to, uh, if not their compliance team, their legal team to get a good sense for how they manage corruption risk. I think it's a good idea in general. And then how deeply should you look into the other company's compliance program itself? I think you should do a full assessment. I mean, that's one of the three areas I highlighted early on uh, that your due diligence should focus on uh, because ultimately when it comes to integration planning, uh, you want to know where all the work uh, is going to be. So maybe they have no training regimen. Maybe you need to go through and uh, you know conduct training right away. Maybe their third-party due diligence process is scant or non-existent. Uh, so you want to go in there after integration and really start going into uh, conducting due diligence for their higher-risk third parties. So I do think it's a major area uh, of scrutiny that you should look into uh, to the extent that you have, again, you know, in these M&A deals, you don't always have all the information you, you'd hope to have. Um, but to the extent that you do have that access, uh, the compliance program is one of the three, I think, primary focus areas that you should look into, especially with regards to planning integration after closing. So we've talked sort of externally up to this point about what you're doing with your acquiring company, but there's a lot of work obviously internally in your organization. Compliance has to work with the rest of the business unit to try and make this thing happen. So how do you think it's best to set yourself up within the company for successful M&A due diligence? Well, sure. So uh, again, before even an M&A deal is established or, or is being sought after, it's to develop that those relationships, essentially develop that trust. Um, I think when people think of compliance, they worry that we might be showstoppers, deal breakers. We have to appreciate that there is you know, risk involved. Now, uh, there's tolerable risk and there's intolerable risk. So you want to be able to communicate uh, with your stakeholders, the folks in finance, the folks leading the M&A deals um, that you will present you know, an accurate depiction of the potential corruption risks that the target company uh, may be uh, exposing uh, your company to. But at the same time, uh, you want to come up with mitigation efforts. You want to be able to say, yes, we've discovered that there is government ownership, but we have this plan in place uh, to mitigate that risk. We can carve out some of the ownership. We can pay off or have the acquiring company pay off certain debts before we acquire them, et cetera. Uh, ensuring that you know the risk then is reduced to the point whereby uh, the company can proceed with the transaction. So it's a matter of building trust, um, ensuring that people come to you for advice as opposed to seeing you as a police officer looking to kill a deal, because uh, that's not the goal. The goal is not for M&A compliance to stop a deal in the face of a red flag. It's to ensure that the risk is you know, adequately mitigated uh, so that the deal can go through. You want the company to be successful. 
there's obviously a business strategy and purpose behind why the company is targeting a certain potential acquisition and you want to be on the side uh, to the extent that you can lawfully and in compliance uh, to see that deal successfully go through. So we only have about a minute or two left. Uh, to the extent you can, I want to take on one last kind of big topic, which is successful integration. Is there one or two tips you can give before we go as to how to ensure that the integration post-acquisition works well? Yes, absolutely. So um, one of them is conduct a risk assessment immediately after closing. I think that's key to fully understand because then you'll have all the information. Um, and, you know, conduct a thorough risk assessment on their entire operations, their program, compliance program top to bottom. And then secondly, you, you need to be very structured and regimented in your, the, the way you create your action items and the way you follow up on those action items. You're oftentimes herding cats. You're dealing with a lot of other functions. It's not just compliance. You're dealing with HR, finance, sourcing, et cetera. Uh, but you want to be very structured and regimented. Maybe create a certain cadence of meetings every couple of weeks, especially early on, because again, under the safe harbor, uh, program you have a year essentially uh, and only a year unless you get some additional time added uh, to ensure you mitigate and you know uh, get rid of those concerns that may have come up uh, along the way. I may want to add one thing there um, that Sergio has mentioned under the risk assessment don't underestimate the cultural aspects there what kind of culture you are buying, you know, usually you, the buying company is the larger organization and you cannot really assess in the due diligence space, you know, if there is an ethical culture, you assess usually documents, perform some interviews, but really what kind of ethical culture, you know, you will find in this target, you will unfold after after closing and, for, and then during the risk assessment. Don't underestimate that aspect for the overall uh, compliance efforts. I agree with that. Uh, that's a and that's a great point. I mean, I've read statistics that roughly half of mergers and acquisitions fail on cultural issues. Now, they're not talking about compliance culture uh, specifically, but you can see the impact that culture has. Well, Jan, Sergio, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Schultaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.